You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Scarface, which came out in 1983 and was directed by Brian De Palma. It stars Al Pacino, Stephen Bauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, Robert Loja, Miriam Cologne, Paul Shamar, Harris Eulin, Angel Salazar, and F. Murray Abraham. The genre would be crime epic. This country, you've got to make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, then you get the woman. With the right woman, and no stop. I could go right Let's get this straight. All I have in this world is my boss and my work. And I don't break them for no one. I like you, Tony. All right, big man. You want to make some big bucks. And it's your dumb. With you and me, we can work this thing out. Driving the girls crazy, aren't you, Tony? We've been together a long time. The word on the street, Tony, is not a small-time punk anymore. Me, I want what's coming to me. But what's coming to me? The world should come to me. And everything in it. It's crazy, but I think this movie actually gets a little bit better each time I rewatch it. I used to dismiss it as just kind of one batshit entertaining performance, guess who, in search of a movie. But upon what might be my fifth or sixth rewatch, I'm now finding it to be much more than just Pacino going for it as Tony Montana. Ridiculous accent included. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So. What I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell the truth. Even when I lie. So say good night to the bad guy. For one thing, he's uttering Oliver Stone's coke-fueled dialogue, and he's backed with long-shot loaded bravura direction by Brian De Palma. In fact, the rest of this entire nutty cast, they all deliver sublime performances, from Michelle Pfeiffer's acid turn as the chilly Elvira. Hey, Jose. Who, why, when, and how I fuck is none of your business, okay? Now you're talking to me, baby. That I like, okay? Keep it coming, baby. Don't call me baby. I'm not your baby. Not yet, man. You gotta give me some time. Even if I were blind, desperate, starved, and begging for it on a desert island, you'd be the last thing I'd ever fuck. To Stephen Bauer's kind of endearing dim bulb turn as Tony's loyal horn dog partner, Manolo, to Paul Shinar's seemingly elegant, though increasingly ruthless, Sosa. 
even to the two hidden 80-yard vocal performances from Charles Durning and Dennis Franz during that opening interrogation sequence. You ever been in jail, Tony? Me? Jail? No way. No. Been in a mental hospital? Oh, yeah. And they're both coming over. Arrested for vagrancy, marijuana, Never mind. heroin, no, cocaine. No. Where'd you get the beauty scar, tough guy? Eating pussy? Yeah, speaking of which, thank you to Prime Video for pointing out that last one. Everyone comes to play, and nobody is remotely subtle. It all culminates into a rather operatic rise-and-fall crime saga, which never pulls its punches when it comes to sex, rampant drug use, vulgarity. Look at that one. That one right there in the pink. She's beautiful, man. Look at those titties. Look at that punk willow. What's he got that I don't have? Well, he's very handsome for one thing. De Palma just loves his extended suspense set pieces, and he offers several here which advance the story. This is early 80s Miami as the Wild West, where nobody involved in this escalating drug war is particularly good at their jobs, including Tony himself. And yet it's made clear that the folks who rise to the top maintain a bare minimum of loyalty to those around them, while also demonstrating a willingness to immediately stomp on anyone who hesitantly stands in their way. The thematic structure of Stone's screenplay is as on the nose as his for previous episode Wall Street. In a good way, of course, as we briefly get to know each cog along Tony's ruthless climb to the top. You make a move, son, you're old. I got ears, General. I hear things. Yeah. What do we hear about Javier, the Diaz brothers? What about them? What about Gaspar Gomez? What is he going to do when you start moving 2,000 kids? Fuck Gaspar Gomez and fuck the fucking Diaz brothers. Fuck them all. I buried those cockroaches. While not remotely ethnically appropriate to their roles, it's still a kick to watch seasoned pros like Robert Loja and F. Murray Abraham ham it up as pathetic wannabe gangsters who clearly do not have the relentless push of Pacino's Tony. And we even see this towards the end of the movie as Tony is eventually done in himself by showing just a shred of humanity at a key moment. I guess you could maybe call this an amorality tale? Could be, but it's still a hell of a watch. Tony, man, he's getting up. Come on, let's do it. Make you feel good, huh? Make you feel good to kill a mother and a kiss, huh? Make you feel big. Like, you big man. Well, fuck you. What do you think I am? You think I killed two kids and a woman? Fuck that. I don't need that shit in my life. You die, motherfucker! And this brings us to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film because music is essential to film. Now, one aspect of this film which never gets old to me is the music. And with this particular category, I'm just going to focus on an actual needle drop of pop music as there is one which stands out amidst a soundtrack of generally catchy dance pop. Now, would I refer to Paul Engeman's new wave rocker, Push It to the Limit, as an objectively good song? <laughs> well, not in the slightest. Even Frank Stallone performed a better version of this kind of song earlier the same year for the Camp Classic and previous episodes staying live. Give me something. I need it all I am 
but it still works perfectly for that triumph montage around the 90-minute mark, which is definitely the triumphant peak of the movie for Tony's character. cannot think of music that is more well-suited to play overhead while we are watching Tony fake laugh over the phone to Sosa or while he triumphantly marches over to visit their pet tiger with Elvira on their wedding day. Indeed. The next category would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now back to that cast. Okay, I happen to love most of these actors, but I still have to admit that the main cast for this movie is probably one aspect of it which has aged the worst. There are definitely moments throughout where it even becomes distractingly so. Sorry, but it is somewhat jarring to see folks like Pacino and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio just shamelessly steamroll their way into attempting to portray Cubans, especially the way Tony keeps uttering the word cockroach, with several added syllables, no less. If this were to be remade again 40 years later, I'm sure that the casting would be significantly less whitewashed. And that would be a good thing. But like I said, I really can't actually fault the cast as they each give it their all. Look, Tony, I know you did some bad things back then. You know, in the army, I know you got to some trouble. You know, the communists, they're always trying to tell you what to do. Mama doesn't understand that. I know. I just, I don't know. I just want you to know. You know, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me how long you've been away. Five years or ten years. You're my blood. Always. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Undoubtedly, there are two sequences featuring extreme violence in this movie, which everybody remembers. Both impressive sequences, but for me, there is one which undoubtedly stands out. And that would be one which occurs roughly 20 minutes into the movie, just as Tony is working his way up the ranks of the drug-dealing trade. Yes, I'm referring to that scene. It's Tony and Manolo's first real assignment to do a cash deal for drugs. And coming along with them is their friend from Customs, Angel, effectively played by Pepe Serna. Ah, poor Angel. (laughs) Unfortunately, when things go south with Hector the Toad, played by Al Israel, whose apartment they are visiting to do the deal, well, Hector uses Angel to make an example of him to intimidate Tony. And this starts with him opening a suitcase as Angel is strung up in a nearby shower. And what he pulls out of that suitcase is a chainsaw. Hey, Antonio. Mira. Watch what happened to your friend. You don't want this to happen to you? 
You gave me the money, okay? I can only imagine seeing this in a theater 40 years ago and hearing all the nervous gasps in the audience. Yes, the chainsaw scene remains a standout, but it's as much for the implied gore as we actually don't see that much. And also just how masterfully suspenseful the whole sequence is. The sound design shifting from the deafening roar of that chainsaw to eerie quiet as De Palma and his DP John Alonzo, as their camera slowly pans outside into the sun-drenched Art Deco gaudiness of Miami. The contrast in sounds, it's amazingly effective. And this would bring us to the final category, which would be the MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. As much as this is a showcase vehicle for Pacino, Stone, De Palma, I would not consider it their best work. Far from it. This movie does get repetitive at points. Similar narrative beats repeating, including similar dialogue. Now, it far from sinks this story, but it pads it somewhat. However, one aspect which I have not yet mentioned is the score for this film which I believe actually enhances the movie as much as anything. And that would be from the legendary Giorgio Moroder, as his operatic synth score is not only likely his best, but remains one of the best synth scores of all time. Right up there alongside Blade Runner, Clockwork Orange, and Beverly Hills Cop, just to name a few. Just gorgeous music, which definitely does much of the emotional heavy lifting for the movie. And it definitely sets the right tone off the bat, with that sinister-sounding mid-tempo main theme playing over the opening credits, interspersed with real footage of Cuban refugees making their way to Florida. Between that opening and the wild orgy of gunfire and blood squibs which closes out this story, I cannot think of better bookends for such an inexplicably beloved cult classic. I mean, undoubtedly, De Palma definitely knew how to open and close strong, but he could not have done it quite as well without a literally pulsating synth soundscape behind it. 
for delivering one of the best scores of the 1980s and pulling as much emotion as possible from this material, Giorgio Moroder is the MVP. My rating for Scarface would be four and a half stars out of five. Of course, this film's legacy has now stretched several decades as it has been cited as a personal favorite of many a hip-hop artist while also being referenced in a staggering number of hip-hop songs from the likes of Common, Notorious B.I.G., Nas, 3-6 Mafia, and DJ Khaled, among several others. Beyond that, this movie has had a huge influence on video games, including Grand Theft Auto, and of course, future movies as well. Most notably, New Jack City. The world is mine. And the brothers do now, forget about us. <laughs> the world is yours, you know. Only you won't be as careless as Tony Montana. Now will you? But imagine my surprise after so many rewatches, realizing that beyond its pop culture impact as a cinematic meme and reference machine, this is actually quite a good movie to boot. Happy 40th anniversary to what very well might be among the most influential crime dramas of the modern era, just behind The Godfather and Pulp Fiction. And if you're going to watch Scarface, it is currently streaming on Netflix. And that ends another Coke-fueled review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.